Welcome to the second part of this 2050 Investors episode. Previously in part one, we discussed what sustainable solutions is the sports industry implementing to limit its impact. We also delved into some of the most memorable moments in sports history and paid tribute to the icons who created them. Now, let's deep dive into the power of sports, its impact on society, the planet and you. Our guest is a rugby legend whose achievements are second to none, a record holder for the most points scored by an English player. He's best known for scoring the incredible winning drop goal in the 2003 Rugby World Cup final. I speak of the one and only Johnny Wilkinson. Hello, Johnny. Such a great pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, it's a real privilege to be here. Thank you for uh, the opportunity. This podcast episode is about the future of sport. Having been at the pinnacle of rugby and having achieved such an amazing career, how do you see the role of sports in shaping societal values and in fostering uh, unity? For me, sport has played such a huge, huge part in my life. In fact, it completely consumed my life, I guess, up until fairly recently before I retired from rugby. And it's always been a massive opportunity for me to express myself, for me to follow my passion, for me to remain healthy, for me to grow in all these kind of ways. It's also been a huge example of playfulness and that capacity to learn about life in a, in a different perspective. And I think that's perhaps where I think sports values have the most sort of impact upon life is that there's a, a real understanding through sport, especially through competition and, and team spirit and individual performance. If we go after those kind of things to find out what you're capable of in your performance and also find out what you can create in terms of team spirit through relationships with others and also relationship with everything around you as well. If we really center upon that, there's an immense amount sports has to teach us because when it comes to absolute performance and absolute team spirit, it can't just be about you. It has to be about something bigger than you. It's brilliant because I, I do a lot of sports and you know play squash three times a week and um, tennis and we talked about uh, karate. And, and what I find amazing is you, you point around life, it's um, you, you learn to... Um, go beyond failures because you fail and you try again and it's and for kids it's such a an amazing school of life in, in this sort of a short period of time which leads me to the second questions around the human experience so from your perspective what's what aspect of the human experience are amplified uh, through competitive sports and and also the negative aspect around the stress and, and mental health which is something you've been pretty very advocate about yeah i think no, undoubtedly, the ability to set goals, to strive, to devote, to commit, to find that worthiness and deservingness that we all have to be able to say, this is what I want, and to go after it. But then when things don't happen the way you want, the capacity to come back, to reshape ourselves, to reinvent ourselves, and then to adapt and strive again has an amazing learning within it, I think, that who we think we are is not at all all we are, nor is it anything to do with who we really are. Who we really are has this boundless, endless, infinite power and potential that means that no matter how many times 
we try and uh, achieve something, whatever happens, we always have this ability to respond. And the ability to respond is as big as we're willing to dig. It's as deep as we're willing to search and it's as, it's as powerful as we're willing to open up to. And for me, that's been the, the biggest power of sport is to understand that we have this capacity and, and this opportunity to reinvent ourselves completely. It's not really so much reinvent ourselves because we just have the choice of who and how we want to be on the inside. So in terms of the, the human experience, you were obviously pretty incredible with the uh, winning drop goal in the 2003 Rugby World Cup final. What was that like in terms of the moment, the experience, sort of going through these phenomenal experiences? It was an incredible moment and one that the more and more I reflect upon it, which is not something I tend to do much, but when I do, the more I find a more mythical kind of reverence for what happened in that space and in that moment because I know you were mentioning in that last question about mental health. The basis of mental health is we're talking about the power of sport with this expression, this freedom, this following of passion, this kind of self-discovery and this surprising of yourself. All of those are this amazing possibility. But when we find ourselves more, I guess, driven through this stress and this need we find ourselves in total conflict and suffering now that suffering for me has always been this i guess attempt to try to control how and when things happen rather than trust in that you know i know that my desire my individual responsibility is always just to bring my intention what it is i want and commit myself fully to that and then to trust that it will come the way it's supposed to come but when i've become much more interested in trying to make it exactly how i think it should be i end up fighting in performance and i lose all of that human amazing element i think about that drop goal knowing full well just how important that moment was to me and perhaps the team and perhaps um you know, the country or whatever, but more importantly, what was going on in my mind was, for, as far as I was concerned, that's what I was born to do. I'd perhaps up until that point kicked 100,000 drop goals, probably on both feet, just with this urge to be ready for something, knowing that there was a reason why I had to keep doing it. It wasn't necessarily a dedication. It was a lack of other options. I didn't have the choice to not go out and train and train and train. I just had to. And then you find yourself in the extra, uh, or, or in the last moments of extra time, the ball in your hands, and it's there. That opportunity that my brother and I had talked about with each other in the back garden saying, oh, in the, uh, now he kicks the drop goal to win the World Cup. And it's just about to happen. Now, if intellectually, you try to control that and work it out and survive it and get through it. It's too much. There is no way that performance and that kind of weight of kind of expectation or, or need can live together. Um, and I know I would have frozen. I would have fallen on the floor and frozen yeah, in that moment. Absolutely. But as it was, as I caught the ball, something happened in me. I, I, I became the doer, but also the the witness of it rather than 
completely the doer. I actually, the doing took place in itself, but I was able to feel it. I was able to experience it. I was able to see it. I was able to be fully present for it, but there was no mental block. There was no obstruction. It was a pure happening as opposed to me taking credit for it. I was simply just watching it. And as I did, I watched the ball drop on the floor. I watched my foot. I watched the ball travel and I watched it go through the post. And just as it did go through the post, I felt myself come back into that place of the doer. I almost kind of like came back into the body and celebrated very briefly because I didn't even know what was going on because I hadn't <laughs> really been there. Well, these are amazing thoughts. And I think it's uh, for our listeners, that will be uh, pretty powerful life lessons. And uh, in this episode, we've looked at magical moments in, in history of sports, like the Michael Jordan's final shot or Serena Williams' first Grand Slam win. I think you, it's almost a magical and surreal moment between the training and, and the moment and being present. So just before we move to the climate change questions and the future of sports, so what sort of message or, or insight would you uh, like to share with our listeners in terms of challenging one's limits or overcoming setback? There's a very, very beautiful balance, I think, and it's well documented, certainly one half of it, which is that striving and, and applying yourself and all of those things are so, so important. Working, dedicating and learning and understanding techniques and all of that stuff is, yeah, of course it's important, but I think it's overplayed in our society and what's underplayed is this self-compassion, this self-love and this self kind of, as I said before, maybe reverence, this kind of fascination with what's going on on the inside of us and this capacity to, to trust and to recognize that this everything, if we're willing to bring our intention to what it is that we want in life, and to fully, fully dedicate ourselves to communicating a clear message to life, what it is we want mentally, physically, emotionally. Physically, the way that you walk, does it feel good? The way that you breathe, are you looking after it? Are you looking after yourself? Are you nurturing yourself? Are you really empowering this feel good worthiness within you? And then mentally, are you able to focus on what you want rather than what you don't want? And when you find yourself yeah, perhaps consumed by fear or all those things, are you able to relax in that space and trust instead as vulnerable as it feels? And then emotionally, are you willing to, to simply engage and involve yourself and, and remove the story that you have for others or the way that things should be and to, to re, I guess, re-explore the relationship we have with challenge and with the unknown? that challenge become the greatest gift, whether it be the fear that lives inside you that has always been my biggest guide that I ran from for a lot of time. But when I turned to face and listened to, I realized that it was, it was the power of my purpose and passion, and it still is. And to face those challenges and then to also start to make friends with the unknown, to understand that without the unknown, there's no such thing as life. Without the unknown, you don't have any potential. You don't have creativity. Absolutely. And so to overcome those limits, there is this thing about learning and gathering and techniques and shaping your body and shaping your mind in order to be able to handle things. But the majority of that journey, if you want to overcome limits, is understanding the limits are in you. They are not outside of you. 
Absolutely. Uh, it's quite quite incredible. Um, so which leads me to another big elephant uh, in the room, uh, which is climate change in terms of eco-anxiety and, and some of the the challenge ahead when you look at uh, the physical effects of climate change. And, and on the other side, the, the power of getting gathering together in a stadium, the human connection and thinking beyond ourselves. So um, with the rising concern around climate change, um, have you seen its direct effect on the sport of rugby uh, and how do you think major sporting event uh, could lead the way in promoting sustainable practices? I think for me, in terms of direct effect on, on rugby, since I retired, you know, I, in my own experience, I, I, I can't sort of say yes or, or no to that other than to, to perhaps even just look at, uh, you know, some of the heat that's been experienced by the guys in France at the moment, and obviously not just France, but around around the world, you know, but I'm not a scientist, I'm not a specialist to know what's happening on those levels. And and so, you know, I find it more difficult in that, that area. What I think is undoubtedly key to say is that for us, it's all about our experience of life. And for our experience of life and for us to be able to connect to life, we have to fall into line with life. And we have to fall into line with, the, with a, a more humble approach to who we are and where we've come from. Life doesn't need our mark. The best thing I feel I can do is in my life is leave no mark, leave no trace I was here. And for me, that means I have to fall in touch with life. And to finish this off in a, in a way, like I said, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a specialist. I don't know any of the ins and outs and I'm more than willing to accept that. But one thing I've found is that in the search for absolute performance and team spirit, to find that state of being, as soon as I introduce a hard line, a sort of a stop line that says, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to go out there and be all I can be, except we have to win, except I, I have to have this, or I have to have this, or it has to be like this. As soon as there's one of those lines, yeah, maybe that is, it has to make this much money. Whatever the line is, as soon as there's a hard line, we have stress, we'll have two conflicting forces, you'll have resistance. And where there's stress, there is suffering and there's what's known as wasting of energy. Whereas when there is total alignment, you have no wasted energy and you have what's called in sporting terms, when you see someone operating that way, you call them a genius, the way of no wasted energy. Now, my whole experience has been that in order to be sustainable within myself, I have to constantly be removing these hard lines and trust that my intention that comes through me naturally, my passion, my desire, that that there is my responsibility to enhance that, to form it. And I think what happens is through that is that naturally there's an alignment with life um, and you find out who you're meant to be the same way that I think when you remove these hard lines as much as you can from other efforts, whether it be stadium events or whatever, the more you can remove those hard lines and come together, the more that a stadium can fall into line with life and be a scar upon it. It's an amazing philosophy. It reminds me of the, an episode we do on how to decarbonize happiness. And it's, uh, it's very uh, similar to uh, yeah, Greek philosophers uh, uh, in terms of looking at your own needs and, and move away from uh, consumerism. So last question before we, we let you go. Uh, who do you think will win the uh, Rugby World Cup this year? That's a good one. It's, I think at the moment, 
it's baffling me because every time you play a game, teams are showing you that your story about them is just wasted energy. Don't bother trying to, to you know, stereotype teams or think you can talk about who they are or how they are because the beauty of teams is that when they really go out there, they surprise themselves and they surprise us. And it makes this beautiful thing about predictions completely, you know, to predict is to, is to take out the human element of teams, to say, well, you know, looking at you guys as a statistic, this is where you'll go. But I love the fact that teams shocked us. You know, France played Uruguay. You're thinking, oh, maybe they won't go there. They play, you know, last night and you think, oh my gosh, they're incredible. It's this beautiful thing to realize that, yeah, the destiny of every team is in their own hands. But to talk about some things I'm inspired by teams, South Africa and Ireland, yeah, South Africa have an incredible power and commitment, it seems, and an incredible consistency around that impact. Ireland have an incredible togetherness and understanding. They're so well drilled and that's their consistency. And you think, geez, yeah, there's an enormous clash coming there. I fancy those two teams to go very deep into the tournament. Unfortunately, as long as they sort of look after themselves, you look at France and think that power, that energy, that that flair, that that capacity to just come up with whatever's needed, um, spontaneity, beautiful. And then, you know, I'm leaving England out of this because I work with England. But otherwise, <laughs> I'll give you the boring answer, which is uh, England are going to go great. But, you know, I, I, I wish for more than anything that England win the tournament. But the other one I think has been a beautiful thing is, is you know, looking at, at someone like Fiji and just saying, you know, there's a team, how good would it be for rugby in general if they made their way right into the depths of the tournament and inspired people to, to have that self-expression and that trust and just play to who you are and, and just be free and know that that's good enough rather than make it all about it has to end, you know, it has to end a certain way to trust that performance will bring results, not re results will lead to performance. Excellent. So uh, see you at the final then. Yes, indeed. I shall be there and I shall be, uh, I, I, like I said, I wish I could, uh, if I could predict who was going to be there, I'd be a, a, probably a, a much wealthier man. But as it is, <laughs> I'd much rather turn up and, and be surprised. I'll bring a selection of shirts just in case I... Uh, <laughs> a good way to hedge yourself, indeed. Yeah, exactly. Thanks you so much for, for your time. You've been very generous with us and your beautiful insights on life and challenges and, and sports. I think it's been pretty amazing and I think we all learned quite a lot. Thanks again and uh, have a great day. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks. To conclude this episode, let's quote American gymnast Mary Lou Retton. A trophy carries dust. Memories last forever. Thank you for listening to this episode of 2050 Investors. And thanks to Johnny Wilkinson for sharing some of his incredible life experience with us. I hope this episode has helped you get a better sense of the power of sport and the important need to preserve it by making it sustainable. You can find the show on your regular streaming apps. If you enjoyed the show, help us spread the word. Please take a minute to subscribe, review and rate it on Apple Podcasts. See you at the next episode. While the following podcast discusses the financial markets, it does not recommend any particular investment decision. If you are unsure of the merits of any investment decision, please seek professional advice.